Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome to episode 43 of Dealmaker Diaries. Today we have with us Mr. Tom Dunkel. With a background in corporate finance and 25 years of real estate and investment experience, Tom brings an extensive experience to Bellrose Asset Management. Talking, taking the company from startup to world-class organization, Tom has specialized in discounted asset opportunities nationwide since 2006. His financial savvy, open communicative manner and integrity have seen him help alternative investors achieve their wealth building goals. Tom is the managing director of Bellroll Storage, a seasoned team of real estate investment professionals that specializes in acquiring underperforming self-storage facilities in the Eastern US and turning around the performance of these assets to achieve high teens tax advantage returns to its high net worth equity investor partners in a condensed time frame of two to three years. So let's give Mr. Tom Dunkel a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. Hey, so Tom, welcome to the show. How are you this today? I'm fantastic, Donald. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for joining us. Good. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, Tom, why don't you um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background before we jump in? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've uh, I spent a, a good part of my life uh, post you know, my education in, uh, in the corporate world and uh, did some fun things like mergers and acquisitions in the aerospace industry and software and telecommunications and uh, some uh, really interesting industries there. Worked with some fantastic people, uh, learned a lot, and uh, saw a lot of people uh, really creating a lot of wealth for themselves. So I really wanted to get a, a little piece of that for myself. Uh, so in 2006, uh, my, my boss said something very interesting to me. Uh, he said, you're fired. And so that was kind of the kick in the pants I needed to go out and really start my uh, entrepreneurial career, which I had been really wanting to do. But, you know, it's kind of a scary step to, to go do that, especially, you know, you get young kids at home and such. So that was the push that I needed. I went into real estate, uh, which 2006 was probably the worst time in history to have gotten into real estate. So uh, I uh, went ahead and, you know, jumped in with both feet, uh, deployed a lot of capital into real estate, and pretty much lost it all over the next uh, few years as the as the bubble burst. Uh, but that uh, you know taught me a lot of a lot of good lessons. And uh, but I just still uh, was determined to uh, you know press forward. I didn't want to go back to the corporate world. So uh, at the time, I started learning about uh, uh, distressed mortgage notes and uh, started buying distressed mortgage notes. Uh, hooked up with uh, my partner Joe Downs uh, in 2000. Uh, 10. We're still partners today. And uh, we, he went through a similar problem with the uh, real estate downturn. 
and so we scraped together $12,000 and we bought uh, six mortgage notes. And, uh, you know, fast forward to today, we've bought uh, probably uh, over $850 million worth of unpaid principal balance of distressed mortgages. Uh, we've raised probably about $40 million of private equity to do that. Um, and we've uh, generated some great returns for ourselves and our investors over that time period. And so what's that, what that's allowed us to do is to uh, expand us into some other businesses. So we've done uh, hard money lending. Uh, we've done fix and flips. Uh, we uh, have uh, built a, a vacation rental portfolio. Uh, but what we're most excited about right now is, uh, is self-storage. So we've been buying... Uh, value add self-storage facilities on the eastern part of the U.S. Uh, for the last few years. Um, and what value add means is that it's a facility that isn't being run quite as efficiently as it probably could be. And so we've put together a great team. Uh, our, our, uh, our transition specialist has 15 years of experience in self-storage. Uh, so we've brought her onto the team uh, and another uh, partner, uh, Tim Kane. He's, we brought him on because he's a, he's a lead generation specialist. And so we've, we've put this great team together and we've been able to acquire, uh, let's see, we've acquired about nine facilities over the last couple of years. Uh, they're generally on the, you know, smaller to midsize. So, uh, you know, the smallest one we've purchased is about hundred units, the biggest one, uh, a little over 400 units. Uh, but again, we've, uh, we get in there, we turn these facilities around and uh, generate some nice returns for ourselves and for our investors. Okay. It's very interesting. So, I mean, un let's unpack that a little. So first, before we get into deep into self-storage, so you talked about the um, mortgage note. So for someone who doesn't know anything about that, how, how does actually, how actually exactly does a mortgage note work? Sure. So anyone out there who's purchased a home, uh, if you've taken out a loan uh, to, to help buy that house, uh, a lot of times we say, hey, I'm going to get a mortgage. But really what you're doing is you're going to get a loan. And the mortgage is the document that secures that loan to the property so that if you don't pay the loan, if you default on the loan, uh, the lender can use that mortgage or that security document to then take back that property and, and recover uh, their loan amount. Uh, so even in good times and in bad, unfortunately there are people who are defaulting on their loans. And a lot of times the banks just are not equipped to uh, do a full workout or they don't, for whatever reason, they don't wanna go through a foreclosure process. Uh, so those, those loans that they, uh, they end up, uh, they call them charge off loans is what we buy. And uh, non-accrual, those are some other terms you might hear around these kinds of loans. Uh, but basically, these are, these are loans that the bank just doesn't want anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. And part of that is regulatory reasons. Uh, the bank, when they have a bad loan, um, they have to set that loan aside and it takes away from their capital base. And that capital base is what the Federal Reserve looks at to give that bank uh, their lending power. So when they have a bad loan, they have to take it off their books and it reduces their lending power, which of course reduces their ability to make interest and fees and, and uh, make money. So they sell those loans off into the world 
Uh, and so a company like ours, um, our, our distressed debt companies called U.S. Mortgage Resolution, will buy those, that pool of loans. And because we're buying it at a discount and we're entrepreneurial and we can think outside of the box, which unfortunately a lot of these banks, they just don't have that kind of flexibility. Uh, we're able to come up with some kind of workout plan that better suits the current financial state of that borrower. And so it's really a win-win-win mm -hmm. kind of scenario. The bank wins because they get a bad loan off their books. Uh, the borrower wins because now they're working with someone who can be creative and flexible and allow them to stay in their home and continue paying on their loan. And then we're buying the loan at a discount. So it's a win for us because we're making a high yield on that, on that uh, workout uh, modification. So it's a, it's a great business. We've, we've enjoyed that for a long time now. Okay, and I would assume um, when you're buying these notes from the banks, are most of these local in your area, or are you buying those different nationwide? No, we uh, so we we buy from bigger banks, and their footprints are bigger. So uh, the the bank we primarily buy from is uh, their footprint, pretty much the eastern U.S. and then uh, and then also California, Arizona. It's pretty much all over the place, but def definitely a concentration in the in the eastern part of the country. Okay. So when you're doing that, what percentage of the loans would you say actually work out well or, or don't end up foreclosing anyhow? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, honestly, foreclosure, I talked about win-win scenarios a second ago. Foreclosure mm -hmm. is really a lose-lose scenario because it's, right. of course, it's, it's horrible for the borrower. Uh, it's a bad situation to put them in. Uh, and it's also bad for us because it's, it's expensive. We don't like to do it. It's not why we got into this business. Uh, frankly, we got into the, into the distressed debt business because we like the paper better than the property. Uh, and so we, we avoid foreclosure at all, at all costs. Um, but uh, so it's a, it ends up being a very, very, very small percentage of the, the loans that we work out. Um, we actually end up selling a lot of loans uh, because mm. we have reached a certain scale and we're buying direct from the bank. We're getting, we're getting really good pricing. So that allows us to, to buy a big pool, chop it up into smaller pools and uh, sell some of those off to, uh, to our uh, investor relationships that we have uh, around the country. And then they, they'll work out those loans. And then uh, for the ones that we do retain, uh, our, our workout uh, loan modification uh, success rate is, is really high. It's in the, I would say it's in the uh, 60 to 70% range. <clears throat> and then the other ones, you know, sometimes we just, we aren't able to get to a deal. It doesn't make sense to pursue. Uh, and so we'll have to write that loan off, but we certainly make okay. you know, plenty of money on the other loans uh, to make up for that, those, those few losses. Okay. And um, for the the, lar the large pools that you're purchasing from the um, banks, are you raising money for in from investors to purchase these? How are you financing those? Yeah, good question. Uh, it depends. Uh, we uh, we have had large pools before that we were not able to uh, purchase internally. We didn't have enough capital, and so in those scenarios, we we will bring in uh, outside investors. Uh, and then uh, to, to, to buy those bigger pools. Uh, in the past, we have done some funds where we, we did pull a, a syndication of investors together to buy funds. Uh, we've gotten away from that because we have been able to scale up and we do have 
uh, the liquidity ourselves uh, to buy most of the pools that we see now. Uh, so we're, we're these days we're really doing most of those transactions ourselves internally. Uh, but if there if if there are bigger opportunities, we'll we'll pull in investors that we've uh, worked with over the years. Okay. All right. So self storage and, and your team. So you mentioned um, transition specialist. So what exactly does your transition specialist do? Sure. So our, our transition specialist uh, is Catherine East. Uh, she's with Elite Storage Advisors, and uh, she's fantastic. She's been in the industry 15 years. Uh, she's worked with a number of uh, investors uh, in that time. And so uh, she really understands the operational aspects of self-storage facilities inside and out. And so uh, that's super important because, uh, you know, as, as investors ourselves, it's pretty easy to go out and buy a self-storage facility. If you, you know, you can pay cash and close tomorrow at above asking, you know, you'll buy as many self-storage facilities as you want. Uh, but, the, but of course, then you got to really get to work. And uh, that's where Catherine comes in. Uh, she's, an, she's excellent at analyzing the market, the immediate market, and uh, determining uh, the uh, ability for us to raise rates at our target facility, at our subject facility. And uh, she also handles the uh, software transition. So a lot of these facilities we're purchasing are mom and pop facilities. Uh, the prior owner may or may not have used a software system to help run their business. Uh, some folks, believe it or not, you know, still run their business on a, you know three by five cards in a in a little file box. Um, so she she takes all of that information and transitions it over uh, to our software platform, uh, and that is a big value add because it allows our investor or our our customers rather especially in today's environment, to rent a storage facility in a contactless manner. So they don't have to go and meet with somebody. They can, virtu they can literally uh, rent a, a storage unit on their smartphone and go to the facility, you know, load up their stuff. Mm -hmm. We'll leave a lock there for them. So that's, that's, uh, that's a great way for us to uh, build some efficiencies into our business model there. Um, and then just things like utilities and all those little real detail things mm -hmm. that really make the business uh, a business. So uh, she's uh, an expert at all those things and has been super valuable uh, part of our team. Okay. And the, and the lead generation specialist, that sounds self-explanatory. So I assume they call around and look for motivated sellers. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's certainly part of it. Uh, but really... Um, Tim Kane, uh, so he came from the residential wholesaling uh, space, and that's a big volume, you know, big, you know, marketing spend kind of thing. And so the the expertise that he brought to the team, which was really valuable, is using VAs, so virtual assistants. Okay. Um, so we have a virtual assistant. So Tim has set up all the processes with the virtual assistant, so that uh, she has a script and she and we direct her. Uh, to which storage facilities we want her to call. So she's calling 100, 150 storage facilities a day for us. And she has a certain script that she goes through. And if she gets a warm lead, it transfers over um, to, in, to our uh, internal team. 
And so my other partner, Joe Downs, is typically the, the one who's reaching out uh, to those uh, potential sellers. And he's you know, building rapport, asking them about their facility, asking about where are they in their life cycle of owning the facility, and all those kinds of questions just to see if there's a deal there or not. But, uh, but yeah, Tim's, Tim brought to our team that whole front-end process that, frankly, we were lacking. Joe and I, having been business partners for 12 years, there's things that we're really good at, which are mostly on the, you know, the financing side and the, uh, the investor relations side. But we were not very good at the, uh, the front end, the uh, filling the funnel. So Tim, Tim was fantastic addition uh, in that regard, for sure. Okay, excellent. All right, so um, for people looking to invest in self-storage, Tom, what are, what are some of the hidden risks for self-storage investors? Sure. So it's a super competitive market right now. Uh, and so uh, for folks out there who are uh, looking to buy a, a self-storage facility, I would just, I would just caution them to, uh, to really be careful in, on the projections that you're using for the facility. Um, especially if, if you're, if you're getting uh, an offering memorandum for a, for an opportunity that's being widely marketed, a lot, of time, a lot of times those projections in there are pretty aggressive in my experience. Um, and so it's important that investors really take a fine tooth comb to those projections. And the, the last thing you want to do is, is buy the facility based on that future value that could be created. It could be or maybe not. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. So you want to buy the facility based on what it's really producing today. And unfortunately, in, the, in this super competitive environment, that's getting harder and harder to do because there's a lot of money out there that's just uh, buying facilities without really caring too much about uh, you know, really doing an in-depth analysis. So it's, 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 it's challenging for sure. And, and now in this inflationary environment, we have interest rates going up and interest rates and capitalization rates or cap rates don't really move perfectly in sync, but they do move somewhat in sync. So, uh, you know, if a, if a cap rate today is five or six, uh, a lot of folks are projecting that they're going to exit the facility in the future at, you know, five or six or maybe less. But that's probably not a great assumption right now, given uh, the inflationary pressures that we're feeling. I mean, even for us, uh, our borrowing rates have increased almost 100 basis points just literally in the last few months. So that's definitely uh, something that we're now building into our underwriting is uh, future capitalization rates or you know, for that terminal value at the end. Sorry to throw around big terms. Um, just that, that that value that you're putting on the facility in the future is probably going to be a little less than it would be otherwise because those cap rates are, are getting uh, getting pushed up, and that's going to force investors in the future to they're only going to be paying they're they're going to be forced to pay less uh, than they otherwise would be because of higher borrowing costs, etc. Um, so that's certainly uh, something on the pro forma side. Uh, another another uh, hidden risk would be um, if if an investor's out there looking at a development opportunity. Uh, 
supply chains are really out of whack right now. Material prices are really out of whack right now. Uh, labor is really out of whack right now. So there's a lot of, a lot of things uh, moving against <clears throat> folks that are out there uh, building or expanding facilities. And so what we've started doing in our underwriting is, is you know, we would usually in normal times use maybe a, a 10 or 20 percent uh, contingency factor. So if, uh, if we thought an expansion might cost a million bucks, we might you know, put it in the model at a, at a million one or somewhere around there just to give a little cushion. Well, now we're adding like 35% or maybe even 50% uh, depending on the project because things are just crazy right now. We just yeah. want to make sure that we build in enough, enough cushion. So I would caution investors to, to not go too skinny on your, on your, uh, on your development budgets. Uh, so th- those are, those are a couple of, key things. Um, there's more that I could go into, but I tend to get a little long-winded, so <laughs> happy to talk to anybody offline that wants to uh, pick my brain a little bit more about uh, hidden risks that might be out there today. Okay, and you mentioned um, inflation. So do you see um, inflation causing a rise in your um, rental rates as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Donald. So yeah, we, that's kind of the saving grace. It's the other side of the coin, if you will. So we do see our rental rates increasing. And in fact, uh, over the past year across our portfolio, we've probably raised rates uh, close to 20%. Um, and that's just a function of us. Like we're, we're pretty aggressive at pushing rates in the markets where we are. Um, mm. But it's also, I think, a function of just overall inflationary pressures uh, across the board. So that is going to help our valuations in the future. Like I was talking about a minute ago, you know, that those valuations are going to come down because of borrowing costs and whatnot. But the thing that might help to boost those up a little bit is is that inflation on the revenue line. So that exactly. that could certainly certainly help us a little bit. And and just to Another little tidbit there is on the, and another thing we just love about self-storage is on the operating expense side for an existing facility, uh, you know, we don't use a lot of fuel. We don't really Mm. use a lot of food. (laughs) We don't use, yeah, some of those, some of those baskets of goods that have gotten really, really expensive over the last several months. uh, You know, we're not really running into that. And, And because we do largely automate our facilities, our payroll expenses are lower, um, but uh, actually, you might be better at answering this than I am, Donald. But you know, I think insurance costs are probably going to be inching up. Uh, certainly, property taxes are going to be inching up. Um, but for the most part, the operating expenses at a self storage facility are going to be able to. We're going to be able to manage those pretty well, even in an inflationary environment. So I think we're going to be able to still continue to generate the cash flow that we need to certainly service our debt and, and deliver nice returns for our investors. Okay. And to that end, um, just a little more talking about energy cost. Um, what are some of the um, things you guys stay away from when you're um, adding to your portfolio, such as um, I see, I know a lot of um, self-storage facilities are um, temperature controlled. I mean, is that something you guys input or you stay away from that when you're when you're looking at those? 
Yeah, good, good question. So uh, we are, are substantially uh, a non-climate control uh, operation. We do have facilities uh, that have climate control. Um, and so, you know, we're certainly going to be having to absorb some, some higher energy costs on those facilities. Um, we're, and, and, and back to what I was talking about a minute ago, you know, we're being super cautious on any kind of development or expansion uh, opportunities. Whereas, you know, even a year ago, we were going into some deal saying, hey, you know, this facility comes with, you know, another three acres that we, that comes with the, with the facility that we can build, you know, more units on. And so we would go in, you know, kind of gung-ho putting the plans together. But, you know, meanwhile, you know, it takes some time. And in that time, you know, prices have gotten a little crazy. So, you know, between just energy and material and labor costs, we're, we're kind of pumping the brakes on those opportunities, if you will. Okay. And, and just to speak to that, so are there other ways to um, recognize other opportunities if you do have additional acres, such as, um, say, adding, adding a parking lot for vehicle or boat or RV storage? Is that something you guys do as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's right on point, Donald. We we do look uh, if if uh, building out a new building is is just getting too expensive. Uh, there's a couple things we're going to look at. We're going to look at using that space uh, for RV uh, boat parking, uh, like we have at our White Marsh facility uh, down outside of Baltimore. Uh, it, that's a that's a, a nice mix of both RV and boat as well as uh, regular unit storage. Um, and then the other, the other interesting thing that we can do uh, in a situation like that is we can use uh, prefabricated units. So these are, these are also more expensive than they were in the past. However, these are, these are prefabricated storage units that come in on a flatbed and there's you know, pretty simple uh, site work that needs to be done ahead of time to get the, that area prepared. But once, once you put them down, you're, you can rent them uh, right away. So the turnaround time on those is, uh, is a lot quicker, which is huge because uh, of all the other challenges in, in, in ground up uh, construction right now. Okay, interesting. And, um, so you mentioned they're more expensive, but I guess they're still a lot less um, cost prohibitive than building from the ground up yourself. Yeah, the, I, that that spread is getting a little tighter, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the 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 certainty and the uh, the the ability to get those units on the ground and starting to rent them right away is a huge uh, benefit to going with uh, prefabricated units. Another uh, thing that we've learned recently is uh, I, I know some folks out there say, well you know, these prefabricated units or, you know, some people call them portable units. Um, you know, they're tough to get a lend. They're tough to lend on. Some lenders don't like them because they're considered personal property. You need to get a uh, uh, equipment financing to loan to, to finance those. And so there, there were some negatives on the financing side. We just, we just did a deal actually, uh, like we were talking uh, before the show, I'm down here in, uh, uh, the Florida Panhandle because we just purchased a facility here, um, and we have uh, prefabricated units there, and we were able to negotiate with our lender to consider them to be permanent, 
And what we did to get them comfortable was we just, we put bollards in <laughs> on either end of the, uh, of the row of prefabricated units. And uh, these prefabricated units, they have, um, they have pockets where the uh, forklift goes in and lifts them up and puts them down. We welded over those pockets so that, I don't know if someone's driving down the road with a forklift, but that seemed to be the lender's problem. Uh, so we just welded over those pockets and they mm -hmm. and the appraiser and the inspector said, yeah, these are permanent. Uh, so the lender said, okay, they're permanent. We're going to treat them as permanent. We're going to finance them as permanent. So I would encourage folks out there who are using uh, portable or prefabricated units to try to negotiate with your lender a little bit. I think the, I think a lot of the lenders are starting to come around uh, to those uh, assets and looking at them a little differently. Okay. And um, so let's talk about the investor side a bit. Is self-storage a good investment for someone looking for someone with a self-directed IRA looking to move some of that money over? Sure. Uh, we, in our equity syndications, uh, we, we love having uh, self-directed IRA investors in there. Um, uh, it's, I'm a self-directed IRA investor myself. I invest in uh, lending and private placements uh, in multifamily deals or uh, with some of my other friends in the self-storage industry. Uh, I think it's a great investment. I, uh, and the reason I think that is because it's a, it's a secure, hard asset. Uh, and I think for your IRA, you know, that's something that you really want to, you want to have some steady growth there. You really want that capital preservation aspect to that investment vehicle. So I think uh, having it, uh, having that money invested in, in, a, in a hard asset that's generating cash flow uh, is is something that makes me feel uh, secure. Like because the last thing you want to do is invest in something crazy where you might mm. lose that money, and then you know, especially if it's in a Roth IRA, you know, you're losing all that future growth that's tax free. I mean, that hurts. And mm. trust me, I know I've actually <laughs> had some investments go bad in my Roth IRA, and that's you don't want that to happen. Um, but uh, you know, I, I do I do enjoy having the uh, self-directed IRA investors in there. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, they those investors tend to be a little more patient because if they're not using that, if they're not old enough to be using uh, that self-directed IRA, you know, they're typically okay with a little longer investment horizon. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great vehicle for that. Okay, and Tom, for for investors out there looking with extra capital that they're looking to um, impregnate, why, why, why should they consider participating in um, equity syndication? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Interesting choice of words there, Donald. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, when I got out of corporate America, I, I worked for some publicly traded companies and I just kind of saw the inner workings of that. And then I was also doing things in the stock market. And I, I just realized, you know, for me, it was, it just seemed all very manipulated. And if you weren't in with the right group or you, you know, the, the right, you know, if you, if you weren't a big investor, you know, you're just kind of tagging along and it was very casino like for me. Uh, but I, I really like, uh, ever since then, I've been investing in all kinds of uh, alternative investment vehicles. Like I mentioned earlier, I've, I've, I've been investing in apartment uh, syndications since 2013, I think. 
I've been uh, doing lending and things like that. And then of course, uh, you know, distressed debt and, and self-storage. Um, but so along the way, uh, it is difficult because, uh, you know, it's real easy to go to schwab.com and click, 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 you know, buy however many shares of Apple or click, 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 sell however many shares of Microsoft. Uh, so there's, there's that familiarity and ease of use that I think just keeps a lot of people sucked into the public markets. But what, what I've actually uh, developed over the years just through my mistakes and my uh, trial and error is actually a system uh, for evaluating alternative investments. And I'd, I'd love to share that system uh, uh, for free with your audience. Uh, they can just uh, go to our website, uh, www.bellrosestoragegroup.com. That's B-E-L-R-O-S-E, B as in boy, E-L-R-O-S-E, uh, storagegroup.com. And we have on there um, an ebook uh, that, I, that I wrote. Uh, it's called The Safe Investing Method. <laughs> and SAFE is an acronym for, uh, of course, there's risk in all. Uh, investments. So don't come to me later and say, hey, you said that was safe. Uh, it's just an acronym. So it's easy to remember, right? Safe. So S is for sponsor. And that's who are you doing doing this deal with? What do you know about them? Uh, do they have a good track record? You know, are they investing with you? Uh, a is asset. What is it that you're investing in? It's amazing to me. A lot of people don't really understand what they're investing in. I mean, ask, you know, next time, Someone tells you that they're uh, buying Bitcoin, asking, well, what are you investing in? What is that? <laughs> they're probably not going to be able to tell you. But, you know, a self-storage facility, well, that's metal boxes on concrete slab with a roll-up door. I can pretty much get my head around that business pretty easily. Uh, F is for financing, is for the financials. So uh, it's uh, for your own portfolio. Is Are you putting too many eggs in one basket? And then when it comes to the actual opportunity, uh, do you believe the projections? Are they reasonable? Uh, has this sponsor delivered those kinds of projections and returns in the past? Uh, what are the key financial metrics you should be looking at? Uh, so like in self-storage, it's you know rent growth and operational uh, expense ratio and occupancy. Those are some of the key ratios that we track. So it's just all those financial uh, aspects. And then E is exit. How do you get out of this thing? You can't go to schwab.com and click, click, click and sell your uh, membership shares in Belrose Storage Group's next deal. I'm sorry, you just can't. Um, so you need to be comfortable with having your capital tied up for uh, a year, two, three, you know, whatever the, uh, whatever the sponsor is, uh, is pitching to you as far as how long your money is going to be tied up. You need to be comfortable with that. So the, the book goes into all the different questions you should be asking, and not all of them. It's just, a, it's just a framework and guidelines. But ultimately, you just want to use these questions to just get yourself comfortable so you mm -hmm. can sleep at night and you understand who you're investing with, what you're investing in, how much you're going to be earning on it and how you're going to get out of this thing. So I just encourage people to you know, go to our website, take a look at the ebook and uh, there's no obligation, no, no charge, no nothing. It's, it's just sitting there for you. So, uh, you know, I've encouraged people to use that framework 
to, to look at alternative investments, not just storage, but it's good for uh, apartment deals or lending deals or uh, all kinds of other things. Uh, but I would just uh, encourage people to use that framework to get organized and take a step forward into alternative investments uh, and maybe you know start pairing off of the, uh, the public investments, the public markets a little bit. Absolutely. I would 100% co-sign on that. <laughs> All right, Tom, so let's jump into the lightning round real quick before I let you jump off. Sure. So um, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? So uh, I've certainly read all the, all the favorites, uh, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and Richest Man in Babylon, all, all those fantastic books, love all of those. However, my, my favorite book and most influential book in my life has been a book that's probably not on any business uh, uh, book list. It's called The Last Place on Earth. And it has nothing to do with business, but it has everything to do with business if you look at it a different way. So this book is about uh, the race uh, to the South Pole, uh, to discover the South Pole at the, uh, the very turn of the century in the, in the 1900, early 1900s. So it's a really interesting book. Uh, I think it does have a lot of uh, lessons uh, that business leaders uh, can take to that, with them to their businesses, like you know, planning and grit and uh, teamwork and all those good things. So I, I, I definitely like that book very much. It's called The Last Place on Earth. If you're, okay, a, uh, if you're a John Krakauer fan, uh, Into Thin Air, that was about climbing Everest. It's along those lines. It's a little bit of an adventure book. All right. And how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Yeah, that's a great question. I've, I've actually made a very, very good friend of failure over the years because I've, <laughs> I've done it a lot and uh, I end up learning a lot. Uh, certainly some lessons hurt a lot more than others, but I think uh, those uh, failures have allowed me to develop a, a level of grit uh, mm -hmm. so that I can withstand uh, future challenges. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I think failure is an important way to, to learn and, and grow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and necessary as well, I think. Absolutely. Okay. And if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? It would say, you make your choices and your choices make you. So it's, I think it's a quick reminder that everyone needs to take personal responsibility for where they're at because you are where you are because of the choices you made to this point. So you want to change your life. You got to change the choices that you're making. Okay. Excellent. And Tom, what is a habit or routine that you love? I love making my bed every morning. Uh, I think it's, it sounds a little silly, but I think it's just a great way to start the day. Okay. Very good. And what have you become better at saying no to? Uh, you know, I've said no. Uh, I've gotten really good at saying no to just about everything. <laughs> but I, I think I've mostly learned how to say no uh, to the wrong people. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we've had different partnerships over the years and, you know, some have gone extremely well and some have gone not so well. So, uh, and then in terms of hiring and things like that, uh, in fact, we, we had a great candidate uh, come through just recently, but it just wasn't quite the right fit. I think he's going to do great things wherever he lands. Uh, and I think it'd be great to hang out with him. I think he'd be a good guy, but he just wasn't quite the right fit for, for our company and culture. So we had to say no to him. Okay. All right. And the last one, this one might go a little deep. What important truths do very few people agree with you on? Uh, yeah, this is, these are all uh, great questions, Donald. Thank you very much. I, I have to say that, um, you know, I haven't watched the news or read a, a national, you know, big newspaper in probably four or five years. And so some people might think that that's going to make me uninformed or unintelligent or out of the loop or what have you. But I have to tell you, it's, it's very freeing and very liberating. And I don't feel like I'm out of the loop at all. I'm, it allows me to eliminate a lot of distractions because a lot of those headlines and, you know, bad things that are happening here or there or, you know, ups and downs or, you know, politics or what have you. I don't have time for it. Uh, I'd rather spend my time, you know, thinking about better ways to, to run our business, build our team. Uh, buy self-storage facilities, turn them around, generate returns for our investors. So that's where I, I spend uh, my mind share and not on, you know, crazy stuff on the television. Yeah, and I bet your blood pressure is probably um, decre <laughs> decreased as well. Absolutely. I have to say, and, and that goes for social media as well. I'm, I, mm -hmm. I use social media in, you know, very specific ways and it's business related and then, you know, family and stuff. But, you know, I'm not going to get into, you know, uh, political arguments or, you know, and, I, and even like sports, like I love sports, but I track just a couple of teams that are my teams. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't play, you know, fantasy sports and, you know, all that stuff because I know it's fun and all and people get a release out of that. But uh, it's not the way that I uh, like to entertain myself. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I try to keep that stuff to to a bare minimum. All right. Excellent. Good stuff, Tom. Good stuff. All right. So b before we hop off, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, learn more about self storage, possibly collaborate, what's the best way to reach out and get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah, we we love uh, we definitely have an abundance mindset. So we're, we're happy to you know, spend time on the phone with folks and talk to them about self storage or even distressed debt or, you know, whatever they whatever they feel like talking about. Uh, but uh, again, my name is Tom Dunkel, and I'm a managing director at Bellrose Storage Group. Uh, you can find us at bellrosestoragegroup.com. And uh, my phone number, if you'd like to reach out to me, is, uh, is 484. <laughs> I don't remember my own phone number. 484-498-8254. 484-498-8254. And my uh, email address is Tom at bellroseam.com. It's a little different from our website because uh, Bellrose Asset Management, bellroseam.com, is our uh, parent company, our, our, our holding company. Uh, underneath that is Bellrose, Self, uh, Bellrose Storage Group and our distressed debt business and our vacation uh, 
rental business. But uh, if, if you email me at tom at bellroseam.com, I'm happy to reply to you. And uh, I have a Calendly link on my email signature if you want to schedule a time to chat. But, uh, but yeah, we love, we love talking to people about storage and investing and the safe method and all that good stuff. So happy to, uh, happy to chat. All right, great. And our viewers will see all that info running below the screen. So you guys have it right there in front of your eyes. All right, Tom. So thanks so much for joining us today. This was great, great stuff. So um, look forward to talking with you again soon and have a, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you, Donald. This is, uh, this is great spending time with you and the, and the viewers and listeners and uh, hope to hear from everybody soon. All right. Enjoy the rest of your time in Florida. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves. <laughs>